All right, James chapter 1, if you have your Bible this morning. How to respond to temptation is what we'll be talking about this morning. We'll look at verses 12 down through uh, verse 18 uh, this morning. Y'all are quiet this morning. It seems extra quiet today. All right, we'll try to liven it up here a little bit. Well, you know, I I don't know if I have time for this, but we're going to go for it. So I've made reference to vomit occasionally in Sunday school. And uh, last week we kind of, we hit a verse that talked about spewing them out of your mouth and, and I didn't really have time to get into it. But I came up with, I found some interesting uh, information uh, that you ladies, it might cause you to think differently about your perfume. So did you know that in some perfumes, one of the main ingredients is sperm whale vomit? Really? So uh, next time you're spritzing yourself, uh, just think of where that may have come from. And there's dogs that are specially trained to uh, walk the beaches and sniff this stuff out. Uh, it sounds like that stuff smells really bad when it's initially discovered. And then as it oxidizes, it develops more of a sweet and a pleasant smell. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so that was just for you. I that, that, I found that weeks ago. I just haven't had a chance to incorporate it, so I figured might as well. So, it's checked. All right, let's get to business. James chapter 1, verse 12. Sorry. <clears throat> Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for... God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, or perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I do thank you for the opportunity, uh, Lord, to gather with the people of God, Lord, and to be encouraged and strengthened. And we pray for your blessing upon your word this morning, that you would just use it in a way that would cause us to be more like Christ, that we would be doers of it, and Lord, that you would give us something that would uh, strengthen our walk with you, and we'll give you the glory for it. And Father, we thank you again for this day. Pray that you bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the greatest challenges of the Christian life is dealing with temptation. Uh, I know it is a challenge in my life, um, and it might be especially true for for new Christians, young Christians, uh, really immature Christians, even uh, maybe if they have been saved for a while but not walking with the Lord. Uh, like they ought to, Uh, but it can be frustrating to know that your sins are forgiven uh, only to to find out that you're bombarded with with temptations to continue in your sin. Uh, What a challenge, Uh, what a a discouraging situation it could be. Uh, And so this morning we'll look at a few things that hopefully will be helpful uh, from this passage uh, to help us to overcome sin. 
and, and to respond to sin correctly. I mean, we can commit sin, right? Uh, that's not how we ought to respond to, to the uh, temptation. Did I say respond to sin? Respond to temptation. Um, boy, I'm already at it, twisting things up. So, But uh, how should we respond? And so we got a promise here. We see that in verse 12, and then there's a caution. Uh, we ought not charge God foolishly, so to speak. Uh, and then some understanding. And so if you look at verse 12, we'll kind of reverse order here. It says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Uh, and so those who endure temptation will be blessed. Uh, that's an interesting thought. And I, I think it was uh, Brother Jared, uh, I think it was, uh, that was talking about being blessed or being happy. Uh, supremely blessed, if you will. Uh, I found one definition, the most desired state. Uh, it's, rather, it, it's, not, it's a little more deep than just the, when we think of happy. I get happy when I go to Sonic and get a Sonic Blast. Uh, but it's a little deeper happiness than that. Um, <clears throat> and so the most desired state. Uh, but how can we be happy when we're being tried or when we're being tempted? And uh, because we know the Lord has a reward. That's what verse 12 says. It, it, it says here, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. So he's, he's going to endure this. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. And it says the Lord promised him that to those that love him. And so we can endure these things. And we've kind of talked about enduring temptations or uh, diverse temptations in, in the weeks prior to this. So I don't want to labor here too much. Uh, <clears throat> but we can endure because he first loved us. And so consequently, we understand his love for us. And so now we love him and we're willing to endure some of these things and go through these temptations, uh, trying and and the focus of today is, is going to be on the temptation to sin more so, but that word there, temptation, uh, <clears throat> really just means a trying. It doesn't necessarily have to be of sin. Based on the context here, I, I believe that's what it's dealing with. But um, listen, we first, or we can endure because we understand that He loved us. And don't ever forget that how Christ endured. Uh, I want to remind you of Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so uh, I just want to remind you here, the Lord authored this and he's finishing it. Uh, and that should just be encouragement in and of itself. Uh, the Lord has orchestrated this that we're dealing with in life. And that should provide some comfort and, and some peace to continue to endure through trials and temptations. Uh, he's the author and finisher of our faith. And look what it says. It says, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. He endured it for the joy that was set before him. And our love of Christ and understanding what he has done for us and the reward that he has for us ought to help us to endure, ought to help us to understand that we are blessed as we endure through these temptations. Uh, we're happy to face them, so to speak. 
Uh, we don't say that, typically. We complain about it, and we, we murmur, and, and we whine. But the reality is, if we understand what God is doing in our lives, we should be blessed, we should be happy or thankful that we're facing these things. Um, and, and understanding the, the love that God has for us and what he did for us, that's what he did. He looked ahead. He, he didn't focus on the current circumstances at hand. He didn't get bogged down with the nails in his hands and his feet and, and, and the stripes that were on his back. He was looking to the end product as the author and finisher of our faith. And so uh, we can be blessed or happy. Does anybody have any thoughts on the crown of life? Seriously, open forum. I studied this a little bit this week. Did not have the time to exhaust it, so I am willing to take any thoughts if you got them. So we're trying to make Sunday school a little more interactive. Anybody have anything? Nobody has any thoughts on what they think the crown of life is? Well, good. Just leave it all on me. So, so some believe this to be eternal life in itself. Uh, and really that realization of our salvation when we get to heaven, right? And it's that crown of life. Um, however, I believe that this is uh, probably a physical crown uh, based on some of the things that I've looked at this week. Now, listen, I, I reserve the right to change my mind, um, but I'm, I'm going to give you some, some examples of here why I think it's a physical crown and, and, and those things. But um, uh, so as I was studying, there was a lot of information. Actually, most of the commentators that I saw were making mention that this is our eternal life, this crown of life. And and when we realize the eternal life, when we get to, uh, to glory, if you will, and some of them, the, the, the crown of righteousness and the crown of glory and the crown of life, they're synonymous to some. Uh, again, I think they're, they're separate. Um, and let me give you some of the reasoning behind this. Um, <clears throat> other crowns referred to in Scripture, the crown of glory, the crown of righteousness, I mentioned that. Uh, but the only other place we see specifically the crown of life that I found in the Bible is Revelations 2.10 when it talks about those in Smyrna. And then they're going to go through 10 days and if they endure, they will get the crown of life. So similar to enduring the temptation that we see here in James. Um, but so we see those, those are the three uh, main ones that we see in the word of God. But Revelations 4.10 says this. Uh, well, I didn't. Never mind, I just have some notes on it. But it makes mention of the four and twenty elders falling before the throne and casting their crowns. Mm-hmm. Right? So the four and twenty elders, and many believe that that is an example of what all of us as the saved will do at some point. We'll cast our crowns before uh, the throne. But Revelation 19.12 says this, He that sat upon the white horse had many crowns on his head. And so I, I believe the scriptures refer to physical crowns. And so when we talk about those that endure these temptations, I believe this is a physical crown that we, that we could receive. And, and um, I don't think it's tied to our salvation. Listen, have you ever failed at a temptation? I have. I don't know, God doesn't remove eternal life from us because yeah. we failed that. And so um, those are some of the reasons why I, I feel like it, uh, it is a physical crown. Uh, listen, the bottom line is the Lord will reward those that endure temptation. Um, let us, like our Savior, endure for the joy that is set before us. That's the chief example that we have to endure 
and to face these trials and these temptations is, is our Savior. And so, uh, so anyway, I, the bottom line is we have a promise. And we ought to remember what Christ endured for us and how he loved us and that constrains us, right? And, and, and we love him because he first loved us and that ought to help us as we face temptation uh, and help us to endure Verse 13, there's a caution here. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for I cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Uh, let no man say or no woman say that they are tempted of God. Uh, we cannot blame God for our temptations. He is holy. He is not tempted with evil, and he doesn't tempt us with evil. Uh, he doesn't tempt any one of us to do evil. And I found this in a commentary, the, uh, the pulpit commentary. It says, That is the impelling power which seduces towards evil is the corrupt nature within us. The world and the devil only tempt effectually when they stir up the filthy pool of depraved personal desire. It's not God tempting us. Uh, but these are things that appeal to our depravity. Uh, and listen, I, I think I've said this multiple times. I, I just want to remind you, we are depraved. Amen. And we are no better than anyone sitting in the county jail, the state prison, the federal prison, those people that we think have done heinous, unspeakable things. There's not a single person in this room that's better than them, but for the grace of God. Amen. And, and so don't forget that. All these things that we see people do and commit... In our natural state, the, the natural man in our carnal nature is within us to do. And so God help us not to be too judgmental of those uh, that, that face those things. Uh, be not deceived into thinking such things that God would tempt us. Uh, he doesn't do that. James uh, 16 through 18, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning of his own will beget he us with the word of truth that we should be of kind of first fruits of his creatures. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from him. And I think an example of this is of his own will he brought us forth, uh, which he did by the word of truth. You can see 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 22 to 23, but um, for the sake of time, we'll move on so that he might or so that we might be a kind of first fruit of his creatures. Uh, <clears throat> God would not tempt us with evil, uh, understand that only good gifts come from him, or every good gift. Uh, in fact, through the words of James, God gives us insight into the development of sin. And so let's look at that this morning. These insights can help us overcome sin. If you understand it, right, uh, what's G.I. Joe say? Knowing's half the battle, right? Sometimes you just got to understand it. Some people never heard that? No. What, did you grow up under... I'm not... Brother, we're in different categories. <laughs> so, uh, but knowing is half the battle. If you can understand the enemy, uh, you can under, then you're able to come up with a, a, a counter... Uh, we call it counterterrorism in today. But uh, anyway... But yeah, but knowing's half the battle sometimes. And so now we'll, we'll look at some of these things that we'll hopefully get. I don't know if I'm, I, I don't have anything new, right? Uh, you guys have all read this, hopefully. 
If you haven't, read it today. Uh, but um, hopefully we'll just share some things to remind you uh, that if we keep these and we understand how sin develops in our lives, we could overcome it. Uh, <clears throat> the first stage is temptation, obviously, right? Uh, look at verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Lust is a longing, uh, in this case, especially for what is forbidden. Uh, desire, lust, concupiscence, unlawful or irregular desire of a sexual nature, or in a more general sense, the coveting of carnal things, or an irregular appetite for worldly good, inclination for unlawful enjoyments. Uh, lust. When we're drawn away of our own lust, and it says enticed, an incitement, instigation to evil, uh, we're seduced by promises or uh, persuasions, we're allured. Uh, and, and the root of that word enticed here has the idea of craft or deceit or guile subtly. And uh, pastor did a much better job than I did when he was talking about that in Genesis and how Eve was beguiled by the subtle serpent. Uh, and so, but... <clears throat> Uh, I want you to remind you, it's not a sin to be tempted. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Uh, That's a comfort to me to know that the Savior that I can turn to for help has experienced everything I'm experiencing. And He was victorious. He did not fail. Uh, He did not commit sin like I do. And and so uh, it's not a sin. Jesus never sinned, but he was tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. And and so uh, the second stage is the development of sin is the sin itself. Temptation leads to sin only when you yield and act upon it. Uh, When you give in to those that lust and enticement uh, and you act upon it. Sin requires the added step of action. Uh, You can be faced with a temptation. You can be enticed to do something. You can lust after something. Uh, But it's only at the point of action that it becomes sin. Uh, And maybe that action is continuing to think on something that's inappropriate. right? That that could be a sin as well. Uh, It doesn't have to be a physical act. We can sin with our minds. Um, <clears throat> but when we act upon it, uh, sin is our desire and an enticement plus action equals sin. Uh, those three things. The final stage is the consequence of sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever failed, you, you sin, you give in. To the, to the lust, the enticement, and you commit sin, feels pretty miserable. Uh, death. Uh, death is often described as separation. And uh, there's nothing like a breach in the fellowship between us and our God. Uh, death. A consequence of sin. And uh, <clears throat> sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. I believe you could make the application. It's 
a spiritual separation from God. Uh, we know that the wages of sin is death. And, and uh, <clears throat> ultimately, such death involves eternal punishment, known as the second death in Revelation 21.8. Right? So anyone that has not received Christ, uh, they will go to the lake of fire. The Word of God calls that the second death. Uh, eternal separation from God. Uh, what a scary thought. Uh, when you understand how much God does, and, and He loves us, and He keeps us, and He protects us, and, and then to be in a place where you're separated uh, from that for eternity, uh, <clears throat> and the torments that are there. So when you have desire, enticement, you, you act, and then you have uh, no repentance or forgiveness, the ultimate result is death or punishment. And of course, as the child of God, and I believe I'm speaking primarily to Christians, as the children of God this morning, uh, we are secure in Christ. If we have Christ and we've received Him, we are saved. We have eternal life. And so if we sin, if we fail and we commit sin, we, are no, we're not, we don't lose our salvation, but we lose that fellowship that we have with our God. And uh, that's a miserable place to be. And, but if you're without Christ, uh, you're condemned already, the Word of God tells us. But listen, I don't want to waste too much time here because I'm running out of time. But with the understanding of how sin develops, we are in a better position to overcome sin. So if we understand how this thing develops in our life, right? And how uh, we, we're, we have lust and then uh, we're enticed and there's opportunity there. Because we've been beguiled or the subtlety of it may, makes it appealing which kind of generates that opportunity, if you will. Uh, <clears throat> and then we act upon that. If we understand that in those stages, it will help us to overcome sin. And so how do we understand how to, or we must understand how to overcome sin. How do we do this? First and foremost, I want to tell you, you can't do it in your own power. Amen. It's not possible. Uh, but I'm going to give you some practical things this morning that I think if you would do in your life, they will help you to overcome sin when you're faced with those uh, temptations uh, to sin. Change our desires. Uh, not just flip over a new leaf and just change it ourselves. But <clears throat> since this is where the process of sin begins, is our desires, right? Uh, those things that we lust after or we desire, I think it's a good place to start. Um, <clears throat> Listen, understand and, and bear in mind that it is a part of the Christian growth to change our desires. The things I once desired as a young man, as a, as a, as a young adult, uh, aren't the same things I desire today. Uh, by the grace of God, I desire things that are more holy and righteous and acceptable and well-pleasing, right? Um, and and that's, uh, that's just the process of the growth of a Christian, I believe. Um, now, if you're living carnally, that's not going to happen. Romans 12, 1 and 2, very familiar verses, but I'm going to read them to you this morning. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Galatians 5, 24 says this, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh, with the affections and lust, we need to change our desires. Um, 
So how do we change our desires? If we know that we need to change those, how do we do that? Uh, The Word of God has always been instrumental in helping people overcome sin. It's by the Word of God that we change our desires. Psalm 119.11 says this, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The psalmist says he's hid it there that he might not sin against his God. And, and the word of God ch- changes us. It, it, it will, it, uh, we could do a study in that of itself, but um, it changes us as we become doers of it and, and we allow it to, and we continue therein, the word of God tells us. Uh, it changes us and it can develop different righteous desires. Uh, than what our carnal nature desired after. How the Word of God can change our desires. As we read God's love, long, read of God's love, His long-suffering and His mercy, we desire to serve Him. Look at this, Psalm 116, verses 12 through 14. What shall I render unto the Lord for all His benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord... I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Uh, The word of God will change our desires. As we read of sin, as we understand the benefits of God and and all that he's done for us, it will cause us to conduct ourselves differently. The psalmist said he's going to pay his vows unto the Lord. He's now conducting himself in a different manner. He he desires something different than what he had uh, before. As we read of sin and its destructive consequences, we come to hate it. So not only can we change our desires by understanding, having a greater understanding of God's love and mercy and long-suffering for us, uh, we can learn to hate sin because we understand its destruction and consequences. Through thy precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Psalm 119, 104. As we learn the Word of God at a greater level and, and we ingest the precepts and we digest the precepts of God's Word, uh, the psalmist said that he hates every false way. And so we'll understand that the way of sin and its destruction and those, the, the path that that takes us down, we're going to want to avoid uh, because of the Word of God uh, leading us in the right direction. <clears throat> so the more we study God's Word the less likely we have the desire for sin. I believe that with all my heart. If you're in the Word of God, uh, you will have a, a lessened desire to sin. I, I, I find it true in my own life. Uh, every day. When you step away from the Word of God for a little while, you're much more susceptible and prone to failing the test uh, when those temptations come. Um, and, and we'll see. Some more of that here in a few moments to hopefully validate that thought. Um, <clears throat> this, I believe, is, is the best way that we can begin to overcome sin by nipping it in the bud, so to speak, is getting in the Word of God. Uh, that's where we can start. However, changing our t- uh, desires takes time. And listen, often failure. Nobody wants to admit that. Uh, but sometimes we learn through experience. And I'll tell you, some of the greatest lessons I've ever learned in life is because I failed and fails miserably. I'm not going to do that again. 
Now, that doesn't mean we want to fail at everything, so then we don't do it again. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not, but, but the reality is we will fail. And so we need to learn from those failures uh, and, and continue to carry on. Um, so it takes time. So while engaged in this process of changing our desires, as we, as we earnestly try to get into the Scriptures and to be more conformed to the image of our Savior, uh, what can we do? One this morning, limit our opportunities. Amen. Remember, we are tempted when we, uh, there is the desire or enticement or this opportunity. So while we work on changing our desires, we should limit the opportunities to fulfill our wrongful desires. And we can talk about standards and, and people call them convictions and all these different things at this point, right? Uh, and, and the reality is there's a good reason for the standards that we have. And we, I don't go certain places because there's an enticement to do evil. And so we need to limit our opportunities. This can be done by asking God for providential help. Uh, we, we can't do it on our own. Jesus taught this in Matthew 6.13. And it says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, Jesus uh, said that we ought to pray for God's help. To avoid evil. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 41 says this. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Uh, are you praying that God would remove temptation? That he would not lead you into evil as the word of God teaches us? Uh, that we ought to pray? Uh, listen, we can cooperate with God by purposely avoiding situations that might excite wrongful desires. Here's a couple examples. David in Psalm 101, verses 3 and 4. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. It's pretty strong language there. He is committed to not giving his flesh an opportunity to lead him into sin. Job says this in verse or chapter 31, verse 1, it says, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I look upon a maid? He made a commitment. He's, he's restricting the opportunities that his flesh has to sin. <clears throat> and here's one of my favorites, uh, probably very well known, but Proverbs chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Look what it says here. Avoid it, pass not by it, Turn from it and pass away. Boy, don't even allow yourself to be in a situation where those things take place. Avoid it. We need to limit our opportunities to sin. And listen, I'm not going to go over the list of all the different circumstances, right? I don't know what your, your besetting sin is, maybe. We, uh, that's not for me to tell you. That's for the Holy Spirit. And the reality is you know. But you make a choice to put yourself in a situation that's detrimental to your walk with God. We need to limit the opportunities that our flesh has to sin. Ask God not to lead us into evil. Ask God to help us providentially. But at the same time, we need to take action. Uh, knowing that we have this carnal nature, uh, we need to be proactive. <clears throat> We can avoid those who, 
whose evil behavior, behavior encourages us to sin. There's some people that encourage you to do the wrong thing. Um, those should not be your friends. Amen. Uh, sure, maybe acquaintances, people that you're trying to share the gospel with, but they should not be your friends, your companions. Uh, later on in, in Psalm 101, in verses 6 and 7, David said this, Mine eye shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. Uh, we need to limit the influence that people have on us uh, the, to the greatest potential that we can. Some of us work in the world. We, we, we have to face those things. But Paul gives us a warning in this too. 1 Corinthians 15.33, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. That word communications is talking about our companionship, our associations, uh, uh, together, a multitude, a company is what that word there means. And so it's talking about those people that we hang around with, they can corrupt us Amen. if we're not careful. They will influence us to do things that aren't right, uh, whether it's at the schoolhouse, whether it's at the workplace. Uh, you know, it's, oh boy, adults, teenagers, and little ones are affected by this. There's nobody immune. We often pick on the younger folks, right? Don't let peer pressure in the teens and, and those things because they get around the bad crowd. Well, listen, adults do stupid things because of other adults. Uh, so listen, be aware of it. And, and don't hang out with those people. If they're not encouraging you to walk closer to your God, you're not, you, you ought not be spending a lot of time with them. Jesus hung out with the publicans and sinners to bring them to himself. I'm not saying you can't associate whatsoever with them. Don't isolate yourself. That's not what the word of God teaches us. But we need to be very careful about who we shoulder up with, who we yoke up with, because they will influence how we live our lives. Uh, and, and oftentimes we have misguided thoughts that, well, we're going to help them. Be very careful. Be very careful. We will very unlikely remove every desire and opportunity to sin in life. What do we do then? We can't eliminate these opportunities and this stuff. Uh, we need some self-control. It becomes sin when we yield to action in fulfilling our sinful desires. If we can control ourselves so as not to yield, then we can overcome sin. How does a Christian exercise self-control? It's an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, and this is honestly where I was going to spend a lot of my time this morning, but we're, we're pretty much out of time, so I might have to pick some of this up next week. But Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and here's the word, temperance, self-control. Against such, there is no law. When we become Christians, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We see that in Acts chapter 2. Uh, we probably see it, <clears throat> uh, well, we don't probably. We often refer to it as the earnest of the Spirit. We see that in, in 2 Corinthians 1.22. Uh, 
But the most uh, common verses that we typically see is probably Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. In whom ye also trusted that after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. And so we are sealed with the Spirit, the word of God tells us, at salvation. When we receive Christ. And so we have this ability. Uh, or excuse me. The spirit is God's instrument. By which he imparts strength to us. To help us have self-control. Or to be temperate. Uh, it's a fruit of the spirit. We saw in Galatians. But we can gain this strength. In Christ. Through the Holy Spirit. Look at um, <clears throat> Ephesians 3.16. If you want to turn there. Um, we're we're going to have to draw this to a close here. <clears throat> but it says this, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And so we can be strengthened by the spirit. Strengthened by the spirit, we are able to put to death the deeds of the body. Uh, let me validate that with Romans chapter 8, verses 10 through 13. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And so it's through the Spirit we can mortify these deeds of our body, these inordinate desires that we have, these, these uh, things that would lead us to sin. Uh, the deeds, I should say, the actual deeds. And, and so, i got to draw this to a close. We find our strength in Christ in the Holy Spirit. As we walk in Him and as He strengthens us. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ. I think we can make that application here. Uh, it is through faith in God's word that we understand we have divine help. Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Listen, it is certainly important that we pray as Paul did on behalf of the Ephesians. In, in 16, he was praying that they would be strengthened by the spirit in the inner man. But Psalm, we need to, we are not, I just want to remind you, we're not alone in this battle. We're not facing these temptations in, our, in, our, in and of ourselves. Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13. We're going to close with this. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you, both to, do, uh, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So don't ever forget, God's working in you. And, and you have the Holy Spirit to strengthen and to help you. Uh, when you face these challenges. There is no excuse for yielding to temptation. No excuse. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But with the temptation, also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. If you would turn to the Word of God, and, and I have examples here where we don't have time to get to them. And is it, I know you're familiar with them, the examples of Christ 
and how he battled the temptations of Satan. And listen, if you would turn to the Word of God and, and trust that God's there to help you and rely on the Holy Spirit of God, you can be victory or you can be victorious over sin. Uh, you can live in victory. Let's pray.